So, today I'm going to do The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was famously friends with J.R.R. Tolkien. They were in a literary club called the Inklings at Oxford. So, C.S. Lewis is the premier Christian intellectual. I don't think anybody is as influential as C.S. Lewis is. And that's saying something, because I think C.S. Lewis has really shaped the apologetics debate in Christianity in many ways, really hitting one key note, and that's the moral argument. Because I think all other arguments fail in Christian teachings, but the moral argument is the one that remains the most convincing in any realm of apologetics, because we have a very hard, hard time convincing people that the world is flat, or that the world is only 6,000 years old, or that evolution doesn't exist, that all these things that we tend to unfortunately believe as Christian fundamentalists, and I'm a Christian fundamentalist, I just have the inherent knack to question the fundamental beliefs of there being no evolution or there being less than 6,000 years old. That's just stupid to me. And, and unfortunately, Christians, we tend to simplify arguments in order to win them. And we tend to base our arguments on straw mans. And C.S. Lewis does not do that. The abolition of man is a really convincing argument, just basing the premise of, he calls it the Tao, Christians would call it the law, basing the premise of right and wrong being universal across all cultures and there are arguments that say Christians aren't the only ones who got it right. See this is the reason I'm a Christian because I have searched every religion that is popular today including some ones that aren't and I've never found a moral argument as strong as Jesus Christ in Matthew's chapter 5 through 7 and of course the actions of Christ in chapter 8 have proven to me beyond a doubt that Christ is the Lord. And I think that is what Paul is saying when he says you look at the natural order of things that's what proves Christ. Because I don't think any other argument suffices to convert a soul to Christianity. Because there's some famous examples of the banana, Ray Comfort did it. Unfortunately, a banana can be peeled easier from the bottom, so that whole argument fails. And it's designed to fail by accident. I don't think Ray Comfort believes he failed. I, don't, I think he'll go on his whole life believing that, you know, the stem of a banana is a cap. But it's a failed argument, and so many of Christians' arguments are failed in that way, and this is why people just tend to not be Christians. But this argument is the one argument that never fails because it says in Christianity the law is able to convert the heart and we all know fundamentally right from wrong and I think we're hard pressed to look at Christ's words and teachings in life and not say that was a perfect life. So the abolition of man just takes it one step backward and says there is a universal principle called the Tao that all men know inherently and we all know about fair play and how does it exist? And let's pretend like there is a group of people who have transcended this and want to create it for themselves. What makes them true? Why are they right? So we go from first in literary theory, of course. This is what piqued my interest in the book because I was really interested in literary theory at this time. I picked it up and it was about literary theory. And he was talking about expression and how you know the literary theories were incompetent to help define the expression because there is one example he used, several from this one book. It was a textbook. And he kind of moved away from that and I forget what that argument is, but the more impressive argument in this book is the universal scope of values that human beings have created that seem to tend to exist in us and we really can't observe it because morals can't be observed. There's really no scientific reason for morals to exist. And that's like, a lot of these dystopians like Brave New World and other ones are kind of like, you know, laughing in the face of morals saying, look, we can make a better society without them, right? But you can't because in us, there is an inherent moral compass that everybody has until it gets skewed, until it gets, you know, ruined and broken. 
broken. And that's what C.S. Lewis's argument is, that our moral compass is broken. And I've watched a lot of apologetics videos, and the best ones work off that premise that human beings inherently want to be good. You know, we want to be good. And that's what C.S. Lewis is saying, is that people want to be good, and they want to try to be good. And this book does not get into Christianity. It doesn't. But you know C.S. Lewis is a Christian. This book is just working from the basic fundamental principle that there is right and wrong. Let's just stop right there and let's just see if there is right and wrong. And we learn that there is right from wrong because people all throughout universal cultures have found right and wrong. And that is what C.S. Lewis is arguing, that we cannot, as human beings, make right and wrong. We cannot forge it for ourselves. We cannot create it out of nothing. And I think Brave New World is a good example of a society that has created its own version of right and wrong. And we see how ugly it is. And all the dystopians are really that. But you add the Tao, you add the law, and then the society realigns and becomes better suited for people and their ability to have meaningful, pleasure-filled lives. And that's what the law was made for uh, by God. Of course, men can't make it. That's C.S. Lewis's argument, is that men can't, and they can't. Men can't find it in science. They can claim to have, but in the very premise of evolution, it makes more sense to just gas all the weak people and then to have a few strong people breed and make stronger people and then anybody weak in that line just take rid of them. That's called eugenics. That's a really sick and twisted view, but it is one that is the only one that makes sense with evolution being a scientific principle for finding right from wrong. And we know inherently as human beings that that's not right unless something has gone horribly wrong with us. And there are people who have things go horribly wrong with them and they don't understand right from wrong anymore. But people need to understand right from wrong. And that's what Lewis is saying is that there is an observed right from wrong. And this right here at the end of his book, he has passages from all the world religions corroborating right from wrong. And of course, Christianity and Judaism are always included in those passages because when you get down to it, you read the law in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is perfect. And I don't think there is any other law that is more perfect. And I think that is what proves God exists above all other things, is that you can look at a man and know he's a man. You can look at a man who can't distinguish between the two and know that there's something that's gone horribly wrong with them. And then that's the natural observation, is that we as human beings try to force our own morals onto the earth and its inhabitants. But there is a morality that exists, and that's the proof of God, because it shouldn't otherwise be there, but it is.